it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is the Art of Wrestling with professional wrestler Colt Cabana. All right. How you doing? Come on in. Sit down. Relax. You're about to listen to the Art of Wrestling. A professional wrestling podcast, it's a life podcast, it's a personal journal, it's an entryway into the minds, the souls, the hearts, and the lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I am your host, my name is Colt Cabana, I'm a podcaster, I'm an actor, I'm a traveler, I'm a promoter, I'm a self-promoter, most importantly though, I am a professional wrestler, I am coming to you live from my studio apartment in chicago illinois before i go any further this is a fan supported and listener supported podcast supported by people just like you we give it to you on thursdays when they come out in batches and this is a brand new batch for a month straight always stay subscribed you never know when the new batches will be coming out and i'm happy to start off this new batch in celebration of being the tv star that i am There's so many great ways to support, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Tell a friend if you could tweet it out, Facebook it out, TikTok it out. Let everybody know that there's a new batch of Art of Wrestlings. The show that you grew up on wrestling with is still having conversations with his friends in professional wrestling today. ColtMerch.com, DigitalColt.com, t-shirts, buttons, pictures, posters, DVDs, brand new autographed upper deck cards, different autographs, match-worn gear, It's all available, and it's a great way to support at coltmerch.com. And the new best way to support, patreon.com slash coltcabana. Ad-free episodes of the whole archive of Art of Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Fringe, and Wrestling Anonymous. Plus, you can get two bonus episodes of Wrestling Anonymous every single month and a variety of goodies over at patreon.com slash coltcabana. The guest this week is Chavo Guerrero. And I did this conversation with Chavo in the Gold Coast of Australia while filming the TV show Young Rock on NBC, 7 o'clock Central, Tuesday nights. Chavo is the stunt coordinator for the show. That makes a lot of sense. A show about professional wrestling, you're going to need a stunt coordinator over there. And that's Chavo Guerrero. On the Young Rock, if you have not seen it on my social media, I played the Brooklyn Brawler. Next week, the plan is to have the Brooklyn Brawler here on the Art of Wrestling. This is the theme of bringing back a new block of Art of Wrestlings, celebrating this experience, celebrating the show, celebrating everything. Right after the show debuted, I went on my Twitch and I answered some questions and I talked a little bit about the show, but the experience itself 
was unbelievable. I spent about seven weeks in Australia, two weeks for quarantine in Sydney. But when we got to Australia, if we were vaccinated, we didn't have to quarantine. So the company's just like, well, just have a vacation in Sydney. Then we flew over to the Gold Coast and everyone needed to be in Australia, but I was only shooting X amount of days. So they were like, well, just enjoy yourself over in the Gold Coast. And that's what I did. We were on the beach. We were at the pool. We were hiking. We were doing all the fun things you should be able to do if you're a foreigner in Australia when we weren't working. The day's working was hard work, but fun work. How could you not have fun being on The Rocks production, doing a TV show about professional wrestling, portraying a wrestler that you grew up loving? I made a lot of friends over in Australia on the crew. When we were in Sydney, it was myself, Luke Hawks, who was playing Stone Cold Steve Austin, another wrestler who was also on the live show from Sydney. Brad Burroughs, who was playing Michael P.S. Hayes, who is Michael P.S. Hayes in real life. Just didn't know it, didn't know much about wrestling, but they perfectly booked a North Carolinian who worked in NASCAR for many years to play the part of Michael P.S. Hayes. And Miles Burris, who was Triple H, also played in the NFL for any of you Raiders fans out there. On top of that, a whole crew, not only the actors, but the writers, the producers, the directors, the caterers, everyone. You know how it usually works. People just praise everybody. And of course, I'm going to praise everybody. It was such a fun experience to play the Brooklyn Brawler on The Young Rock on NBC's number one comedy show. Thanks again for staying subscribed to the podcast. At this point, we'll take a small little break. And then you get to hear me sitting down with Chavo Guerrero on this week's episode. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus what's up man how you doing oh man i'm doing awesome <laughs> here we are this is to promote a couple of things your life and storied career most importantly chavo guerrero most, sorry the most character <laughs> you're right though i mean this is going to come out on a week where hopefully my 
episode, my show, you know, my show, the yeah, your Rock, show, your show, where I have yes, debuted, yeah. your contribution to the show, my contribution to the show, and so I, I figure those are some cool things to kind of to kind of hit on. Yeah. So for everybody listening, that Young Rock season two, maybe we'll talk a little bit about. I don't know my my part so yeah. like or both of us working together yeah and then we can kind of also talk a little bit about just the idea that all these fun wrestlers of our past are now popping up in actor form yeah right totally totally so this one about i was reading the script for season two and i knew without divulging too much i just knew the character you're playing can we you know who you're playing can we say that yeah yet? i mean it'll be announced by the time okay yeah, of course brooklyn playing brooklyn the brooklyn brawler and uh i just knew knowing Dwayne Johnson's history that his tryout match was with Brooklyn Brawler. So reading this script, I saw that his tryout match was with Brooklyn Brawler. I go, this is, I, I need somebody really, I, I need a really good wrestler wrestler in this position. I need somebody who's going to make our Dwayne Johnson uh, wrestler character uh, look great, who is um, Uli he plays uh, Dwayne Johnson in twenty years. Tw- plus, twenty, right? yeah, twenty years. Like his college, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Great guy, awesome guy, great athlete. Really, really good. He's a footy player, football, um, like a rugby player, Australian rules football player. But he he's still not a wrestler, so he needs somebody to help him make him look good. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's looking great, but you know, it's going to help him out. So then. Out of the blue, you you contacted me and said, hey, man, I read for this part. And I, I said, send me your audition. I saw your audition. I said, you were actually were really good, bro. No no, no joke. You. And I was like, wow. So I contacted the um, um, the casting department. I said, hey, guys, I don't know if you've cast this role yet, but this is a guy I have known him for 15 years. Great guy. Straight shooter. He's good work. Great work ethic. Great wrestler. Can I get him in this role? I need him. And there I go, you know, what I want and what they want could be two different things because they're mm-hmm. looking to cast a character. It's a little bit different than what I'm looking for. And uh, sure enough, it happened. And they're like, hey, you know, he got this role. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, man. So great. And you came in and just, you knocked out of the park, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess, it, I, I mean, you were, you did tell me some different stuff uh, about the idea of like, I was playing a little big and it's like the camera's very small. Right. So, right? There right, was some right. stuff. Yeah. It's, just, it's not the same as wrestling, but once you you pick it up you get it just pick it up it's a little bit different us wrestlers we always come in it's we're always so big because we're playing to that person you know us on on the row z z z way up the top you know and that's the one we're playing to so they can see us you know everybody in the in the front row they can see us no problem but we're playing way way big on camera on a scene it's different we're so used to being big we have to tone it down really do all the other people were non-wrestlers and you're doing not necessarily wrestling scenes but you're doing yeah, like the one that like so when I came in mm-hmm. and I started going to rehearsals, it was me and Uli who was playing the who right. was playing the rock. But then also was a, a guy named Michael who was playing Jerry Lawler. Correct. And so he was also like getting lessons, and it was so weird for me because it's like okay, me and Uli, our time for lessons, and I'm just zipping through it, and then here's his lesson walking through it every single and bit. he and he you could tell he was like i've been working on my punches and it was you know a little more difficult than for right. me right yeah well you just came in i you i just told you hey man just uh get on him right you know with russell lingo get on right here stop him you know take this take that move over here okay cool no problem no problem you know with with actors that haven't played this this role before now the reason being is that we're in australia gold coast queensland not Hollywood. In Hollywood, I would have had doubles basically for everybody, doubling all the actors. You probably wouldn't have needed your own double, but I would have had, you know, 
people that could have filled these these roles here because it's not a big first of all wrestling country but a wrestling state not very big it's hard to get you know we just can't double people it's very difficult um so i had to get every uh actor to do their own shoot their own stunts yeah their own their own matches their own everything so you know, you have to work with the parameters of what that actor can do. So you have to quickly assess them without knowing them knowing you're assessing. I'm not putting them through, like, you know, training and stuff. And, okay, they can do this. No, I kind of just get in the ring, and right away I can tell, okay, what they can do and what they can't do. And then you kind of work around that. Who were, oh God, who were, I guess who were some of the guys that you worked One, I, I think it's fun for the listeners to hear, even though they've probably seen the season already. There's a guy Jerry Lawler. Right. Our buddy Miles was Triple H. Triple H. Yeah, we did a lot of you know people. We had people backstage playing Michael Hayes, playing Vince McMahon. Yeah. You know, we had. Uh, but you're uh, not get, you're not instructing them for. The- uh, at times, no. At times, because they're asking me questions like, "How was Vince? Okay, his voice was more like this or this." You know, Pat Patterson. You know, uh, guys playing um, um, Harvey Whippleman, who was uh, played Bruno or was um, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, 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 definitely. But there was there was a lot of See, a lot of people, a lot of wrestlers, a lot of a lot of wrestlers that were backstage now that I had to kind of show them what we did. So really, you're you're instructing a lot of people, and not just in the ring. A lot of things. I got camera guys that are that are playing. You know, sometimes we had handhelds at the ring that were supposed to be part of the show, like the Memphis TV show back then, the Memphis uh, um, studio cameras well their cameras would be live but i had to show them how to act as wrestling camera guys in the 80s yeah so i was kind of doing it with all those guys and then the referees everybody yeah the only one on set would be you and brian who who wrote the show brian gewertz right and so you yeah i didn't even think about you're the reference right me and brian (laughs) yeah Yeah, me and brian totally no one else in the wrestling world no just me and brian and we'd kick you know ideas off of each other all the time because the fact that you know brian was the head writer of raw for I keep joking with him for 85 years, you know, but it, it was a very long time, it was many years. And uh, now he's um, part of Seven Bucks executive producer. And, uh, but he, you know, he really knows his stuff about wrestling. So between he and I, we would really kind of dial it in what wrestling we kind of wanted. And then take into consideration the, uh, what the director kind of wanted, what the creator wanted. So we kind of had to work in those parameters and just make it work. Well, uh, well, that aspect has been so much fun. I've had such a great time. Yeah, it's cool, right? A little bit different. You never, you, you've never done something like this, right? Uh, I've done TV, but uh, well, I've done TV and like wrestling stuff. Right. So, like, I have mixed the worlds together. But yeah. this, I mean, nothing like a two month fucking right. ordeal. This has right. been wild. Yeah, and so fun. Yeah, okay, I, I, wrote, I put a piece of paper by, yeah. in front of you. Okay, the idea that I have a guerrero on a, a podcast. Right. Like my thought process was like maybe you can help me like make write down the family tree and kind of like explain everybody. Yeah. There's so there's so many and I get so confused and I know it's my ADHD brain. Right. Um but I would love I would love I, I mean you don't have to write it down for your own sake or I'll if you can I'll yeah. tell you, I know I know it. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is it. This is how it goes. And then you and then we can kind of like we we pepper in the stories of these guys. Yeah. Well, and, totally. I'll tell you, yeah, exactly. So my grandfather, uh, so wrestling's been feeding our family, the Guerrero family, for over 85 years in some sense or another. You know, we've always made our money off of wrestling, you know, since like 1937. So that's when my grandfather, as a 
16 year old maybe wanted to be a pro boxer walked into the boxing gym and boxing class was over so they had a wrestling class so he went in there and decided to take that and that wrestler was history. He was became a pro wrestler. Now, just amateur at that sake, or, or? Uh, it was yeah, it was like like a shoot style, like um, you know, back then it wasn't really catch wrestling, but it was amateur wrestling that you know it was, it was hardcore and go. And even back then, even lucha libre rest, pro wrestling style was very tough and and wasn't very as as entertainment as it is today. It was very grab a hold and sit on it, and you need to know how to wrench that hold. And, and what was his name? Gory Guerrero. Okay. The Gory Guerrero. The Gory Guerrero. And so that in 1930, whatever. 37. 37. Yes. I don't want to do too many winks and nods, but like, was there a bit of work to that or was that like? Yes and no. It was, it was uh, more shoot. More, it was more three quarter shoot back then. Three quarter shoot. Uh, yeah. It's before they re- really started doing all of the high flying moves in Lucha Libre. There wasn't a lot of mask guys back then either. It wasn't like everybody now, if everybody starts with a mask and then you lose it and get paid. Um, <laughs> yeah, there it was, you know, I mean, you know, just like anything evolved, wrestling evolves, but it was just, you know, different style, you know, it was two out of three falls back okay. then. You and know, where was this? This is Mexico City. Mexico City. Yes. Right. So he you know, became a wrestler. And, and what, sorry, what, what, do you know what his dad did? My grandfather, my great grandfather, yeah. who we're all named after, my great, great grandfather, I'm sorry, my great grandfather was Salvador Guerrero. My grandfather was Salvador Guerrero Jr., Gory Guerrero. They nicknamed him Gory Guerrero because his matches were so gory. Okay. That's what he got his name, Gory. Uh, my father, Salvador Guerrero III, actually call him Chavo Guerrero because a nickname for Salvador is Chavo. I don't know why, but it is like William and Bill, Robert and Bob. It just doesn't fit, but it does. <laughs> um, then it was me, Salvador Guerrero the fourth, but they always called me Chavito Guerrero. I came in my pro wrestling name, Chavo Guerrero Jr. And there you go. My oldest son is Salvador Guerrero the fifth. Oh, wow. We call him James, but yes. So the original... <laughs> Yes. Was he in any kind no, of fighter? He, no, not a fighter. No, no, he, you know, they, he came over the border and, you know, was in the States. I, my, my great grand, my, my grandfather was actually born in Arizona, went back to Mexico, but he was born in America. Um, so my great grandfather, you know, probably, I have not sure exactly, probably came over illegally, probably was working over here. And, you know, if you're doing that, he's, you know, in that time, he's probably you know, traveling, picking fruits and, and doing odd jobs and all this stuff, trying to make it, you know? Mm. Um, so he, uh, was not a, my great grandfather was not a wrestler, but I heard pretty tough guy fighter from what I understand. (laughs) Then my great grand, my grandfather, Gory Guerrero is a pro wrestler. Now my grandmother, uh, Linda Guerrero, she, or Linda Yanez, Erlinda Yanez, she, went to go see her brother who was a pro wrestler in in mexico wrestle and met my grandfather so i'm actually third generation pro wrestler on both sides of my family wow which is kind of crazy and his he became so enrique yanez he uh was a big wrestler in 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 mexico and became like the howard cosell of mexico afterwards his son he was buddies and he was buddies with your grandfather? my grandfather yeah they, they were just yeah, like yeah, they, yeah they worked yeah they worked okay. and met my grandfather met my his sister, yeah. my grandmother, and you know courted her and 
That's not <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, then all of my her brothers were kind of wrestlers. I think all of his kids were wrestlers. So we we've got you know probably in our actual family we probably have. God, I want to say like probably thirty wrestlers altogether. I mean, maybe maybe more, maybe more. Yeah, because there was the other part of the family that were, I guess the the my grandfather's sister. She married a guy named last name Mejia, and his kids became wrestlers. So <laughs> it's it's kind of a lot, kind of a lot. Yeah, I think you know actually, I think he because he was wrestler. I don't know. There's, there's too many for me to remember. But, you know, I was worried about the Guerreros when we go from there. Okay. Yeah. And then your father. So then my my grandfather had my father. Yeah. He had, my grandfather had six kids. My f- uh, four boys, two girls. So. Your father is. Chavo Guerrero. The one from that. I, yes. Chavo Senior. Chavo Senior. Yeah, that Chavo is Classic. Yeah, okay. Chavo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. So he had my father. And then he had my Uncle Mondo, my Uncle Hector, and my Uncle Eddie. This is the boys. And they all became pro wrestlers. And okay. then my father had me, and I was the third generation pro wrestler. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Shows are ad-free over on Patreon. Let's take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You grew up, grew up in California. Uh, yeah. Born in Texas, El Paso, Texas. And we lived there till I was about five. Okay. And then my father got a job wrestling at the Olympic Auditorium in right. Los Angeles, which was the Madison Square Garden of the West back then. Got a job wrestling there. Came up for he came up for a month and decided he had to get a really good opportunity. Decided to move us down to to California, and we were going to move for six months, and that was it. We're going for six months and coming back to um, to El Paso. Kept our house in El Paso and everything. And after six months, we're like, I guess we're staying. He's too good of a spot. And you were you were five at that time. I was five. God, do you remember? Yeah. Anything about? I told you, I remember El Paso. I remember everything. I remember moving into an apartment and going to kindergarten in Huntington Beach, California. I, I remember all of that. I remember going to the, the Olympic Auditorium and running around all the uh, 
the you know the little nooks and crannies there and being in the ring i i totally remember all that and do you have brothers and sisters one younger sister three years old okay younger. so maybe she didn't remember as much uh she remembers some for sure but you know she was she was born in el paso too but she came when you know she was two all right and who were so who were like who i mean who was it patterson was around and stuff like yeah that? so the Roddy main Piper. so so the main thing was in the guys that I really remember, there was a lot of people that came through there. It was like the Golden Greek, John Tolos, um, Freddie Blassie would come in and out. Uh, my dad became like the the number one guy. His big rival was Roddy Piper. We had guys like uh, Gorman and Goliath. Those were the, the local guys. Um, but there was God, a lot more people that would come in. I remember, so anybody who was going to Japan would stop in Los Angeles and kind of rustle for them for for mike labelle back in the day gene labelle's brother actually gene labelle judo gene labelle toughest man in the world of all time legend anyways did you have a relationship with judo gene i know yeah i've known him since yeah. i was five uh, he got me into the stunt world by the way oh, oh yeah nice. <laughs> yeah thank you thank you uncle gene <laughs> yes people would come in and out so i remember my my dad would wrestle I'll tell you a story right now, but he wrestled. I mean, I'm Terry Funk would come in. I mean, like guys like Haystacks, Calhoun, uh, uh, anybody would, would go to Japan would come through Los Angeles. Uh, Nick Bockwinkel. So, so one year, this is true. So my dad was the main guy over there, not tooting my dad's horn, but he was he was just, he was the young big rookie coming up. And in one year, he wrestled uh, superstar Billy Graham for the WWF Championship, uh, Terry Funk for the NWA Championship. And Nick Bockwing for the AWA championship and went to an hour Broadway with each one. Oh, wow. All, all under the Olympic. Yes. The WWA, I believe it was called. WWC? No, WWA. Okay. Yes, I believe. And they would just they would just come in with their titles, the traveling champions. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And did you watch all of those matches? A lot of them. I remember a lot of them. I remember Ernie Ladd coming in. Big Ernie Ladd was you, six foot eight. Did you watch those hour matches? Oh, absolutely. And could could it keep your a little kid's attention? It you know you do it you know like, as much as it can. But we'd sit in in the seats and watch it. And every weekend, I mean, whatever the whenever they film TV, the whole family would be there. Like all of my uh, my grandfather's sisters, all when he moved to El Paso, Texas, to start his wrestling stuff, brought our family there. All of his sisters. And brothers moved to Los Angeles, California. This is Gory. Gory. Okay. Yes, all of their um, his sisters and stuff. So they were all there at, and they all supported my grandfather. So you know, loved wrestling. They would all come to the Olympic Auditorium. So I remember all the aunts, all the tias, my great aunts. Actually, I think about it. They were all there, you know, in the front row, yelling and screaming every single time I was there. So anytime we'd went to the matches, I'd see. 10, 15 family members. <laughs> and I mean, much like the show The Young Rock, on the show you see the Mayavias always having these picnics and whatever. Right. And then even here, like uh, it seemed like all the actors, all we all kind of... Right. I mean, before I got here, y'all kind of had Thanksgiving, you're all having these meals. Is that yeah. kind of how you... Did you find yourself in like a lot of Guerrero family parties and absolutely <laughs> that's this the way the show is is exactly how i grew is it up. hitting you nostalgically when i first saw the first episode of the first season i said this is my life yeah. like literally this is my life exactly how i grew up my my uncles were were um roddy piper gene labelle were who are guys that he hung out with that were under the giant mil mascaras you know rick flair i've known ricks i was 10 years old 12 years old you know i first met bruce pritchard 
who was, you know, the, the one of the masterminds behind WWF, WWE for so long, and, and he's back there now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I first met him when I was 12. His brother, Tom Pritchard, dated my Aunt Linda. <laughs> for real. Really? Yeah, so story about that. So Tom Pritchard was a young rookie, 18-year-old rookie came up. My Aunt Linda was, you know, 16, 17. So they kind of started dating a little bit, but the brothers were all there. So, they, you know, they're like, hey, Tom. This is yeah, we're gonna let you take her out, but hey, man, anything fishing business, we're gonna we're gonna kill you. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> we're gonna kill you. In fact, they would rib him, rib, mess with, you know, joke with Tom all the time. And there was this uh, battle royal that we, you know, going getting ready at the Olympic Auditorium. This big old battle royal, you know, thirty man battle royal. And they're like, okay, so Tom, you're the first one. So okay, great. So getting ready to go out there, and then he comes out like of this little tiny little dressing room thing. He comes out, and everybody's got one boot on just one boot on and he's like what's going on they're like dude it's a one boot battle royal and he's like what are you talking about he's like take your boot off you're up you're up they're playing your music or whatever so they were all backstage they're like all backstage that. in the oh locker room God. he takes his he takes his his shoe off and goes out with one boot oh and then everybody else God. puts their boot back on so then everybody starts coming out with their boots and they kept him in the battle royal for i mean like a long time they didn't get rid of him right away he kept trying to get out they kept saying keep him in and they would step on his feet uh, kick him and stuff so i mean yes people ask about ribs and like that's like the perfect rib right? yeah no right. one's getting hurt right shitting in anyone's bag right or whatever. right 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 that's beautiful that's right so yeah fun. they mess with them like that you man. have to mess yeah. with the young kids i'm an advocate for like safety Oh yeah, safety risk. Safe miss. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of it's an initiation in a sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time, you know, when in like when Stampede was around and the ribs got so bad. Mm. But you know, it's one of those that you gotta have to just roll with it. It mm. is what it is. And the second you sell a rib in wrestling is when they just go like sharks in the water. They just start feeding. Like, oh, right. So, yeah. If you just put it over. You don't sell it. You just kind of just all right, whatever. You got me. <laughs> Good. That nice one. Hey, and I'm all about a joke. You know, hey, you joke at Mike Spence. If it's funny. I'm gonna laugh. Of course, yeah, of course. Uh, so in the in the Young Rock, we see that the Rock and Andre have this like cute relationship, and it's, I'm yeah. sure it's made up a little bit for her television. Uh, was there anybody who like took you under uh, their wing a little God, bit? So or many, so many. Of taught them. you taught you some life lessons. There's a lot of them, man. A lot of you know. Too. So one one time, my dad had a promotion. Well, I could tell you a bunch, but one time, remember I had a bunch of uncles too that were there, so they all took me under the wing. I was like everybody's mm-hmm. son. But um, my dad had was was the booker for in San Antonio for Fred Baird's All Star Wrestling, and that's where um, Shawn Michaels came out of. Paul Diamond, Al Madrill. Um, I remember like um, Ricky. Uh, uh, was not Ricky Santana. Not Ricky Santana. Ricky. Yeah, it was Ricky Santana. Right. He used to be the Ricky Santana was the uh, agent there for a little bit in in. Yeah, Rick Santana. He was he 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 was in there. Uh, there was a lot of people that kind of came out, of, like you know, would come in and out of there. Uh, but back when you know there was regional territories, uh, there was a wrestler named Nick Kaninsky, Gene Kaninsky's son. Yeah, he was on AWA for like a, a, a like a yeah a second. Yeah, so he was wrestling right there for him, right? So I my dad I, we were still living in California, but my dad was living in San Antonio, uh, booking there. You know, so we came out to visit. You know, for six weeks or a week, whatever it was, maybe six weeks, maybe a month, whatever it was, and um, so one of the first days, I'm in the dressing room. My dad, you know, brought, brings me in. I was always just sit next to my dad all the time because you know, just follow him all the time. And I was, I loved wrestling. That's all we wanted. Me and Eddie. That's all we wanted to be with wrestlers. So 
I was always there. Um, so I was in the dressing room. How old? It? There I was maybe 14, 13. Okay. Uh, maybe a little young, maybe 12. Um, so we're, we're in the dressing room hanging out and uh, probably like one of my first days and Nick kind of grabs, grabs me and goes, okay, enough people in this dressing room. This is for the rustlers. You got to go. Opens the door and kind of kicks me out. I'm like, all right, well, it is what it is, right? And then I hear talking, like, talking, and then he opens the door really quick, and he goes, he says, oh, shit, I, I didn't know you were Chavo's son. Come here, come here. So I'm having because he just kicked the boss's son out, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's like, come here, come here, come here. And then after that, he took me into his wing. He, Nick Kaniski was an excellent amateur wrestler, like a Canadian, uh, God, I want to say he was Canadian champion, possibly Olympics. I don't know his total history, but he was that caliber of wrestler, of amateur wrestler. So he took me in, and I was already amateur wrestling so he took me and would teach me, brought me in his room under his wing. And I told you, just remember some of the, the little lessons, wrestling lessons he teach me. All to save his job. Probably. He, <laughs> but then, he, you know, it was, it was, it was a cool kid. Yeah, you know. <laughs> he, had, he had blonde flowing hair, yes. is that right? Yes. And what do you, do you I, I would watch some of those old a, 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 AWAs on ESPN and yeah. you could tell like they wanted to give him a push and then. He just kind of went away. Who knows, man? You know how this business, sometimes, you know, you, you, you run on a hard time of a month or two, and sometimes you just don't want, you get tired of it, and you just break away. You don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. You're tired of chasing it. Sometimes you get injured. I, I don't really know what happens. Sometimes you get a, you know, a, a, an offer, a job offer, and you're just too good to pass up, you know? Mm. So, I mean, it's not like us that we just kept, <laughs> kept wrestling and kept wrestling and kept wrestling. But, um, yeah, you know, people a lot of times just, you know, get tired of it. Shows are ad-free over on Patreon. Let's take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, I mean, there's this glorious thing of like you guys moving from El Paso to uh, to to do the auditorium, right, right. But there there had to have been uh, hardships in being a wrestling family. Oh yeah, I don't know. Like, what was the first? I don't know the first one. Remember, because I do want to say like there was probably a time where the L.A. stint ended, right? I'll, I'll give you a couple, I'll give you a couple yeah. more. So wrestling was not what it was now. They didn't make big money, although they were on TV and stuff like that. They weren't really making money. The TV was local TV, that kind of stuff. Until the cable came around, when you start seeing other stuff from other around the country, you would just see your local wrestling, right? So they would book it, you know, they'd book it that way because people kept having to come every week. So you weren't really making a whole bunch of money. Even us, with we had our own promotion in El Paso, my grandfather's promotion. It's You know, I just... Love. That's what wrestling was. We fell in love with wrestling before it was 
big before it was cool basically you know before it was people making millions of dollars and traveling the world it, that's not what it was wrestling was that's just was your profession your family profession in a sense you know just like people are like military you know family or you know police officer family we were pro wrestling family that was just what we did i mean we all worked at my grandfather's promotion selling programs selling popcorn my grandmother would you know tickets and just that we all that's we all did so that's the family business so uh you know you didn't always make a lot of money and i was i had remember seeing some of my dad's old check stubs you know cleaning out my mom's house and seeing they were like you know 25 dollars payouts and stuff you know they didn't make a ton of money they traveled and it was a fun lifestyle and stuff but it's a hustle you know uh, my dad would go to Japan a lot, and that's where he made a lot of his bread and butter. But bread and butter for sure. But one of the hardships <clears throat> back then, still, there's no union or whatever. Okay, that's a whole different another podcast. But mm. um, you know, really back then, they could kind of wrestling promoters could do whatever they wanted to do, and they all kind of stuck together in a sense. Uh, so my dad wrestled for Fritz von Erich at World Class Championship Wrestling, very famous. All the von Erich brothers all came out of Dallas. You know, huge big wrestling organization and you know the freebirds came out of there so many people but that was very um they were very they're responsible for a lot of things that wrestling is done now started in world-class wrestling with entrance music for instance for the wrestlers before they never had entrance music they started coming out with entrance music rock and roll music for the for the wrestlers the packages like their um you know uh, video packages to to sell the shows that really kind of came out of there, and a lot of that was Keith Mitchell. Mm-hmm. You know, Keith Mitchell just just uh, uh, retired from AEW, but you know he's been in the game forever. That was all the stuff that he kind of implemented, you know, and his guy his crew did. So responsible for the, well, for the way wrestling is is a lot through Keith Mitchell and World Class. But Fritz von Erich, my dad came in to wrestle for Fritz von Erich, even though he was with Mike LaBelle in Los Angeles, they'd loaned him out. You would loan wrestlers out to different territories. Uh, my, uh, Fritz von Erich wanted him to do something like loose or to somebody or whatever it was. And my dad's like, nah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. And he's like, what do you mean? You're not going to do that. That I'm not, I'm not going to do that. He's like, well, then you got to go. But he said, all right, fine. Basically told Fritz to fuck off. Like fuck. Well, fuck you then I'm out. Well, at the time, my grandfather in El Paso, Texas, a lot of the world class was a strong television show. He was using a lot of their world class was one of the stops, and all you know the Von Erichs and all the Freebirds stuff would come in through would come through El Paso at a time, you know. And my grandfather was building storylines around them because it was very strong TV. Well, Fritz Von Erich goes, all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and not send my wrestlers to your dad's Gory's organization. So my grandfather ducks my dad goes. Son, you have to apologize to him. You have to. I mean, my whole TV, local TV, is based around my local talent against the Von Erichs and their talent. It's going to screw. It's going to kill me. So my dad was like, "No, you don't understand this guy. You don't understand these promoters, Grandpa." And he's like, "Yes, you. Know, what are you talking about? I've been in this business forever." <laughs> so my you dad don't was, understand wrestling. Yeah, yes. So my dad was like, "All right, I'm going to do it for you, and that's it." So went over, apologized to Fritz. Fritz thought, okay, well, I'm appreciate you apologizing, but you know, you're you're getting a little too big for your cage. We're gonna clip your wings a little bit. So he, and this is the truth. He called all the promoters and all the United States to blackball my dad Whoa. and not book him. 
So next thing you know, my dad goes from this really hot young rookie wrestling everywhere, wrestling for the NWA championship, the AWA championship, the WWF championship. Now he can't get booked because they wanted to clip his wings a little bit. My dad was like, yeah, I don't, my dad was the ultimate rebel. He was like, well, fuck you. I'm staying in Japan. I'm just going to Japan all the time. So that he just had to go back in Japan, back and forth to Japan a lot. That's what he did. He'd go to Japan sometimes. Like one time he went to Japan for six weeks, came home for one week, went back for nine weeks. Wow. He just lived there all the time. It was him, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen. That's like, those were the three that were always on those tours, you know. That's for, I think that was for uh, all Japan at the time. Anyways, uh, so... I, I, you know, remember that. And, and to this day, I wish Fitch was still around. Mm. I totally wish he was. And I'd run into him because I'd slap his old ass, mm. <laughs> you know. And I've, and I've talked to the Von Eric boys, the, the, the grandkids about this a little bit. So they, they understand how wrestling was. Hey, you starved us out a little bit. Hey, you know, what goes around comes around. But the, the, the young kids, Ross and Marshall, great kids, yep. great, awesome guys. Their dad, Kevin Von Erichs, you know, he, they didn't have anything to do with this bullshit. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it was politics back then. I get it. Great guys, great people. I love them to death. In fact, when I go to Kauai, Hawaii, where they live, I go visit them and nice. see them and they have me over to the place. But great, great guys. They just, you know, it, it is what it is. But that, I'm, I'm sure they wanted to slap my grandfather too. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, but uh, I mean, uh, not only does that affect his work, but then that uh, that affects your relationship with your father now. Not just that, or or my food. <laughs> it right. affects me, me eating. But also, it goes from being around your dad all the time to now the only place he can make a living. It's like he's taking you to Japan the whole time. Right. So now you you know you're one less father figure around, right? Yeah, for sure. And a lot of and it was a little bit different too because if you see Young Rock. They traveled all over the place. Rocky Johnson and Atta Johnson, you know, kept the kept them all three together all the time, and they always traveled. You know, they'd live one place for three months and then pack up another place for six months and pack up another place. My dad, that's how my dad grew up. He didn't want that for me. He didn't want me to constantly be moving schools and stuff. So my dad just traveled. He'd go, sometimes I wouldn't see my dad for six months. He'd be, you know, wrestling in Georgia territory for six months or, you know, whatever, somewhere else for 10 months, you know, and they didn't fly back home all the time, back and forth. They didn't have the money to do that. There wasn't FaceTime, you know, I just, you just wouldn't see him. That's just the way it was, you know, and my mother's was just, me and Rock, Dwayne, I still call him The Rock, but, or not The Rock, I call him Rock, Mr. Rocky. The Rock. I call him Rocky. <laughs> but, um, Dwayne, we've talked about that and literally how talked of how strong our, our mothers were because they took so much shit from this business and from, you know, fathers, alpha male fathers that were always used to doing their own thing. Um, so we didn't travel like that. We, I stayed in the same school in the same house my entire, you know, from first grade. I just, in fact, I just sold my mom's house for her Oh well. just now the same house i grew up in me and my brother-in-law it needs some tlc me and my brother-in-law completely rebuilt it is that table letters and chair uh table yeah yeah all that stuff but we just rebuilt the entire the thing TLC joke. yeah tlc yeah okay. i get you all right we uh uh it's i thought that was a funny joke but <laughs> next thing you know give me a wink and i'll laugh so uh <laughs> um we you know we rebuilt this in her entire house i mean when i say we rebuilt it he and i rebuilt it mm. um you know, of course, pulled the permits. We needed the permits and stuff that we, you know, electricians. We had electricians come in and actual plumbers come in and roofers come in. We didn't do that work, but everything else. And, uh, you know, we just sold it. So that's my 
my childhood home that I so much in. history in that. Yeah. So were much. You, history. Were you guys rumbling through the attic and finding all the? I mean, so oh, when COVID oh, yeah. started, you know, we all kind of started going through our shit, like the pandemic, right? And everyone started like, like I started, of course. I think all of my friends wrestlers, we started looking at the old posters and we're cleaning stuff out. I, the history that must have been that fucking house. Ton. So I just I, I got to show Dwayne. I just found when I was cleaning it out. My dad did a lot of his, uh, you know, work on the on the the you know back then there was no cell phones. It was a wall phone, you know. So he had a wall phone in the garage. He'd be in the garage, get a call, answer, and then start doing business right there, you know. So sometimes he didn't have a legal a notepad on him and stuff, you know, writing writing stuff down. So. Actually, he'd scratch into like the paints that was like on the uh, like the shelves sometimes. Like, like let me scratch this into it real quick. I need this number. <laughs> so I literally saw Rock, the Rock's grandfather, Peter Marvia. His wow. number scratched into P Marvia, and his number was scratched in. Took a picture of it, so I got to show Dwayne this one of these days. Holy shit! But um, yeah, so I mean, our families have really been entwined for and then years. Did you throw away that shelf? Yeah. Oh man. I, Man, yeah, I don't want to get on. Yeah, that. but you know, but um, I have so much other stuff. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, so my dad was the booker, became the booker in uh, in Los Angeles for for a short time. So I had all of his like booking sheets and promoters' numbers back in the day, and all this different. St- I mean, a ton of stuff. I mean, I had three quarter inch tape that's just like uh, tape this you know videotape that whatever they had back then. That's that's you know this big and that thick of TV shows from from the Olympic. I kept all that. I kept all this different stuff. Like I have, you know, like the cards that were, they placed it on, you know, Terry Funk versus Chavo Guerrero World Championship, mm-hmm. NW World Championship. I have that stuff. Um, I have a ton of stuff yeah. that get my dad. you taking pictures and like Instagram that stuff? Some of it. Uh, yeah. yeah, some of it. So yeah. I kept, you know, I just, I, I kept all that stuff. People want to when, see that. When, <laughs> I think I just also, when my, Dad was there. There was the champion called the that their heavyweight championship was called the America's Champion. There, my dad was a champion. Uh, Roddy Piper beat my dad for the championship. Of course, screwed him out of the championship. And then the first time I kind of really heard about it, they re, they changed the back. You know how like they do in like in WWE sometimes. You know when when Stone Cold won the championship, they made the Stone Cold belt. Mm-hmm. When you know John Cena made the they had the spinner belt. Well, they they would change the back of it, and he put you know the plaid Scottish mm. stuff behind the actual the 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 belt, mm-hmm. and you put all the hardware on it. So Roddy Piper would come out to the ring with the Scottish, you know the um, I don't even know the name of that stuff, all the plaid stuff. I, I, there's there's a name for it. Yeah. Please forgive me, but um, you know, but that it was individual to your clan, your whatever his clan was. It would be his certain clan, like plaid. And the belt was like that. So when my dad wanted back, you know, they changed all the hardware back to the leather belt. I got to keep the plaid without the hardware, but it was a belt. I wear it all the time with the snaps on the back. Like I was yeah. the champion. Oh, it was nice. pretty cool as a kid. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. That's and Piper doesn't didn't get that. You got that. I got that. You got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crazy, right? Shows are ad free over on Patreon. Let's take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, you said your dad protected you, wanted to keep you right uh, in the same house. Right. And I know we've had a conversation before where... Um, in my head, it's like, oh, you you probably wrestled started when you were twelve, but pro wrestling, yeah, well, <laughs> but you it was a little later for you, right? Well, so yeah, so starting wrestling, my grandfather's promotion in Los An- in El Paso, Texas, at intermission, Eddie and I would run in the ring, so I was probably three and Eddie was six, and we would jump in the ring and play. Well, all the fans knew who we were that we were. Gory's son and grandson, right? At intermission, every intermission, we would jump in the ring. We couldn't wait. We'd jump in the ring and start playing and have our little matches in there. Well, the fans stopped going to <laughs> concessions and spending money at, concession, at the concession stand for intermission because they wanted to watch us wrestle. So they had to stop us wrestling in there because they were losing money because they weren't, you know, the fans weren't lo- spending money on Cokes and popcorn and hot dogs. They were spending money they were just watching us so that's kind of when we kind of started yeah. but yes i always had a, had a wrestling ring in our backyard in my grandfather's backyard we grew up me and eddie grew up in a wrestling ring legitimately we would that was our tent we'd camp out underneath it we would take off the top rope so the second rope was our top rope because we were little mm-hmm. you know, we, we lived in a wrestling ring that literally like learned to walk in a wrestling wrestling ring basically before, uh, before hold on, gonna, did you have like school friends that would come over and play with you that weren't in like a Guerrero family, but then ended up becoming wrestlers. Because Oh yeah. All of Eddie's friends. <laughs> okay. And, and they, I, they got in the business. A lot of them did. Yeah. yeah. Like three or four of them. Yeah. Wow, totally. Uh huh. I was always around wrestling for sure. You know, I, there was times that I got involved in, in wrestling, uh, storylines, you know, different places, you know, but to be a pro wrestler, I started training when I was 18. My dad wanted to send me over uh, to the UWF in Japan. That was a half shoot, right? Mm-hmm. And I talked to Billy Robinson, who was a very famous shooter, wrestler. And Billy's like, yeah, absolutely, Chavo. We'll bring him there. We'll train him. Well, you know, Carl Gotch was there. And I was like, all this different stuff. Thank God I didn't go. They would have killed me. <laughs> I was this young 18-year-old. I looked like I was 15. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? I would have came out cauliflower eared by the time I'm just beat up yeah. did you say dad i'm i want to i wanted to go i wanted to do it okay. and he was like he was like mm, uh, i don't think you we gotta wait so i started training about 23 like right. like that's you know my kind of started gaining weight i was a, definitely a late bloomer at 23 i still looked you know 19 18 but what happened to 18 to 18 and 23 i was bartending Waiting for I was, the call I was, no no, no <laughs> i was bartending i was going to school i kind of was like you know ah, yeah it'll come you, you, sorry, I know you want to talk, but you knew it was in your cards. Oh, no, we were going to be wrestlers 100%. Okay. 100%. So, digressing real quick, when I was 14 and Eddie was like probably 16, my dad and my uncle Hector were wrestling for, uh, um, at Florida Championship Wrestling for Dusty Rhodes in Florida. So, for the summer, me and Eddie flew down and stayed with my, lived with my dad and Hector for the whole summer 
when they were wrestling for them. So they took us to every, they, we were on the road with them. We didn't, you know, we took them on, took us on the road. We would, uh, you know, travel, you know, every Monday was Orlando, every Tuesday was Tampa, whatever. I'm not getting those, the dates right, uh, the cities right, but this is how it was. Every Monday, every Wednesday was Miami, every Thursday was West Palm Beach, whatever it was. So we would go to every one of these towns. Now, was it you and Eddie going, please, please, please? Or no. Or was it your parents going, hey, can you get, get they're these taking, guys out? Yeah, they're taking, yeah, they're yeah, taking yeah. us there. So we got there. You know, traveled all the way around. Was already they take us. You know, they 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 take us to the bars. They take us. You know, first time Eddie got laid was over there. You know, of course I didn't. Uh, you know, we would. You know, they'd give us a beer here and two here 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 and there. Me and Eddie would steal, find weed and steal their weed, <laughs> smoke it. You know, um, but we always wanted to be wrestlers. Period. But after that summer, and they took us on the road. We were with it. I mean, for three straight months, and it was. You know, Ric Flair would come in and out. It was Black Bart. It was um, Dusty Rhodes, um, Barry Windham, Mike Rotundo. Uh, before Kendall Windham, Kendall Windham started, still Outlaw Ron Bass. All these, you know, these famous people. You've known they all. You know, uh, Billy Jack Haynes were all wrestling. Their one man gang. All they were all there. You know, before they got super huge. So we were just traveling the the, the all of Florida with them for three straight months. After that summer. Me and Eddie were like, uh, we wanted to be wrestlers before. Now there's no stopping us. Like now we saw the second part of the business. The oh, we were we were hooked. We were at the gym every day. We were at the bar every night. We were at you know as thirteen and you know whatever sixteen year old whatever we were, always with them. Always. Um, then we wanted to be wrestlers for sure. So yes, it was in my cards and Eddie's cards. There was no choice. Back to the story. When I started wrestling, training for wrestling, I was about twenty two maybe training i had my first day bat debut match at 23 in the olympic auditorium of all places really yeah they had it was a big wrestling organization there and i've actually just posted the card and the main event um i posted on my on my instagram child girl jr of course on top Brazos. was um uh vampiro Look Ultimo Dragon, Ryo Del Ico Jr. versus Negro Casas, Mount Negro, and Black Magic, who's Norma Smiley. Mm -hmm. So that was on top. So that was, that, was, that was the card. It was a pretty decent card. Anyways. Oh, there that, you go. Chavo, Mando, and Chavito. Yes. So we, we had, that's where I had my debut. Then so cool. kind of flailed a little bit. I would you know still train and go to have a match or two in, in Tijuana, Mexico, go across the border. It wasn't a lot of indies like here, you know, like it is now. Mm. I would go there. Then I would just kind of, you know, just was kind of trying to make a little bit went to El Paso once and had a match over there against Cassandro you know yeah totally uh and then your question you had a question well I mean was there a difference of like hey you're training to wrestle now we're gonna like teach you how to wrestle or I, I can only assume you had this all in your back pocket i already knew how to wrestle right i already knew the moves what? i didn't know why i was doing the moves and, so, and who who sat you down and and put that really that my uncle mondo really helped me out okay. a lot he was very instrumental my dad was already he was kind of done with wrestling and you know my dad he had his his demons he was fighting at the time and it's just you know it, it, he would get in the ring with me but it wasn't all the time it was really my uncle mondo Really, really, really. And did me you out. have set days, or it was? Like oh yeah, well, yeah. We'd go. He had a training facility. He had a little school. Gotcha. We would go train there, and 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 we're always in the ring together. And he was showing me why we do this. This is why we do. This is why we lock up. This is why we do this. This is sequences. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then I was I was starting to pick it up a little bit. Then 
1995 rolls around, and I've had a little, little handful of matches. I've had four or five matches, maybe. Uh, I had me and my bro, my girlfriend had broke up. I, I, I called Eddie up. Eddie had put this off right. He was still living in El Paso. He was wrestling for WCW at the time. He just broke into WCW from ECW. You know, Eddie was he's starting to get on a roll. He had made the offers like, "Hey man, if you ever when you're ready, you come down, move with me, and we'll we'll get you get you wrestling." I said, "Okay." I called him out of the blue. I said, "Hey man, uh, is that offer still open?" And he's like, "Really?" I said, "Yeah." And he was like, "Hold on, let me talk to my wife." So he talked to Vicky. They're like, "Okay." And thank you know, well, and they just had a baby. Mm-hmm. Literally, just had a baby. Their other the shawl their other kid was like three years old so they let me move in for i think i moved in for maybe two or three months training for wrestling all the time eddie was in the ring with me all the time manny fernandez was back in town he'd go train with me in my grandfather's ring and it's still set up in my back in my grandma's backyard and we just trained there all the time i'd go across the border to juarez mexico and russell as much as i could you know this about 10 months i was doing that eddie goes hey uh i got you a tryout with wcw and I'm like, what? And, and WCW was just just bringing out the cruiserweights, just getting ready to. Uh, I don't even know if Rey Mysterio had had started yet, to be honest. So it was kind of it just started really thinking about doing that cruiserweight division. So they flew me down. I met Eric Bischoff. He's like, hey, you know, uh, I was getting yoked up. I was training hard. I was looking, you know, I was young was a good looking kid <laughs> and he's like hey we're making a spot for you in a cruiserweight division i'm like what the in wcw nwo had just started i'm like holy shit really wow i was like wide-eyed i had a tryout match steve regal made me look like a million dollars steve regal william regal he's over there great guy he asked to work with me made me look 10 times better than i ever was i got a job so 10 months after i left los or la and moved to El Paso to train for wrestling. Ten months later, I was on TV in WCW yeah. with about 15 matches under my belt. Wow. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I was so green. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. They brought me in to do some stuff. And then Eddie had to go to Japan. And he had the, this feud with, Dal- with DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. And they had a pay-per-view coming out. They're like, what are we going to do? Well, why don't we put Chavito in there? Little, you know, Chavo Jr. Okay, yeah, great. Let's do that. And, and so I wrestled on a pay-per-view. 20 matches in yeah, and wrestled DDP. He made me look, he, he made me look better than I was. So really my first two years in, in WCW was just learning. Mm. They had me learning on the job. That's what it, what it was, you know, it's just learning yeah. and just, and, and wrestling all the time and, you, and learning and learning, being on the road. And now this is with the best wrestlers in the world. So my mentors, my teachers really were Eddie D Malenko, Chris Benoit, fit Finley, Steve Regal, William Regal, uh, um, Arn Anderson, Kurt Henning, some of the best wrestlers of all time, uh, Dave Taylor, those were my my teachers, my mentors, and they taught me by sometimes beating the shit out of me. And this is how you got to learn, kid, you know, and, and they didn't just, they didn't hand it to you, they, you know, and just, you got to step up. And little by little, little by little, you learn, you learn, you learn, you learn, and that's how it started. Then about... <laughs> 98 90 99 maybe i got a call from like me and jericho basically started on the same day there he like in wcw like that was kind of like when we both first started we hooked it hit it off right, right off the bat he'd already been wrestling for maybe eight years right. so he came in ready to go chris was already killing it you know i'd have been wrestling 10 12 matches but uh i got a call from eddie like 
maybe 99. I'm not sure exactly when it was. It's people know. And he said, Hey, I wasn't on that nitro that, that, that time. He goes, by the way, uh, me, Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko just quit. We're, we're, uh, we, we quit. And I think we're going to WWF. And I'm like, what? He's like, yep. Uh, we quit. We have, we talked to them. I think they want, they want us. So, uh, what do you want to do? You want to go with us? You want to stay there? And I'm like, okay, what do you think? And he goes, look, we're leaving. Perry Saturn's coming with us. Of course, this is the radicals when they went over to WWF. I go, what do you think, man? He goes, look, I think there's some spots opening up here in WCW because we're all leaving. I think you should stay here in WCW, polish up, because you, you need to be ready to go when you get to, to WWF. You, there's no like learning on the job anymore. Mm-hmm. You stay in WCW, get, get to where you need to be, we'll bring you over. I said, okay, great. That's what I did. Then in 2000, WWF bought WCW, took over, I think, 19 contracts. I was one of them, and kind of the rest is history. So you never worried about... Right away, your contract was taken over. Yeah, there was like nine, uh, 19 people maybe brought yeah. out of the 250, or the 150 wrestlers that were there. Like, yeah. ni- like they took 19 of us. That was it. Uh, I didn't have any... I knew that was I was hungry. I was ready to go. Yeah. I wasn't like oh WCW stopped. Okay, I'm I'm gonna stop wrestling now. No, I would have gone to Japan. I would have gone to Europe. I would have gone needed to do what I needed to do to continue wrestling. At, but they picked me up and kind of can't say flail. Just kind of was you know had some matches, had some decent matches. Okay, for about it it seemed a lot longer, but it's about a year, year and a half. And then me and Eddie tag tag they put us together. Me and Eddie. He had just gotten, he got fired when he was, it's, it's documented, you know, had substance abuse problem, was drunk at work, got fired, you know, tried to make it back, uh, you know, so I, was, I stayed there. He made it back within like maybe a year, year and a half, whatever it was. And because he was fired pretty quick after I, when I got to WWF, we didn't really work together that long. He was, he was gone quick, made it back. When he made it back, you know, he was on a roll. He was kicking. He was, man, he came ready to go. He mm-hmm. was clean, sober, and just focused. He was just, just in the zone, you know? I mean, he, his body was, he looked like, he looked like his action figure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked, he was jacked coming in with, you know, against Rob Van Dam. He was moving on a, like a velocity or whatever. They put me and Eddie together as a tag team against, Edge and a young John Cena who was still in wrestling tights, wrestling boots. So we and Eddie went in there, did our thing, and then as soon as we walked out, like Eric Bischoff was back with the company. He was like, "Holy shit, man! Gosh, damn!" And me and Eddie were like, "What? What are you talking about? We've been doing this our entire lives. What do you expect?" Like, but we just had this sixth sense with each other. And then I think one next week we were off. Then the next week, I didn't even even know he was on. Him and Chris Benoit had just come over Smack SmackDown, and he goes, um, "All right, man." I saw him at the gym. I ran into him at the gym. I said, "Hey, dude, you didn't even tell me you were here." He's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm here." And it was in Toronto. He goes, uh, "It's you and me tonight." Oh, it is. He goes, "Yeah." I go, "Great." He's the main event, SmackDown. Me and you versus Benoit and Angle, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" That's where Los Guerreros started right there. We came in. Wrestled those guys, main event SmackDown. Went back to we you know, but we've been just, just just been doing this our entire lives together. Mm-hmm. It was we just knew each other like backwards and forwards. Plus, I'm in the ring with three killers. <laughs> I walk in the back. Kurt Angle looks at me and goes, "What the fuck, man?" So, what do you mean? He goes, "You guys kicked our asses out there." <laughs> and I'm like, what, "What were you going to do to us?" And he's like, "Yeah, I guess that's true." But he was like, "Gosh, dang, you guys just move." 
And right there, it never stopped. We just together, Los Guerreros started. It evolved to light sheet steel, all different stuff that we started doing. But that was where, that's where we started. Oh, yeah. Shows are ad-free over on Patreon. Let's take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back. Just it brought it up to my mind that like you really didn't have a fight or flight. Like You had such a – it just all went. You always had a check. You always had something coming in. Yeah, I was very lucky. Right. Very but, lucky. I'd never really done a lot of indie shows. Yeah. I mean, when I first started, but I really didn't have to make my money off of any show. I knew that I was making 20 bucks at the indie show. Mm. You know, I was wrestling for, for experience. Yes. I wasn't wrestling for a paycheck. I was, uh, you know, bartending at the time, too. So, you know, nothing was changed. I just was now making an extra 20 bucks, <laughs> you know, because I was bartending. You know, you didn't have a lot of overhead, a lot of bills. You know, I wasn't married, no kids, you know, no house, no, no, you know, I, I didn't have a pot to piss in, but I was. Part in, I didn't. That's fine. You had my car, and right. I didn't care about it. I just, you know. When when do you? When does it? I went to WCW, started making money right off the bat. I was like, great, you know, you're you're making. I brought they brought me in at eighty five thousand dollars. I was like, oh my god, I'm rich. Yeah, that's unreal. Of course, you're on the road all the time, paying for all your experience expenses. But so you're really making like thirty thousand dollars. But still, that's great. You know, that's a lot of money for a young single guy with just an apartment you know you know 30 g's that i've actually get to spend that's pretty good then from there you know then you started getting making more money in my second contract up and then went to wwf my contract got cut by 60 percent. they brought us in and said okay y'all you new guys are bringing you in you know a lot cheaper is basically where are you gonna go there's no more game in town this is it no big deal because i was okay i knew that i was going you know i, I had a now i was already married with a kid and a house now but I, I just knew that we were going to be okay. And, you know, I knew it was my, I was going to, you know, the way the pay scale is in WWF, WWE at the time, or WWE, now WWF, I was going to make more than that, than my downside. I might have had a lower downside. And then, uh, you know, of course it did, a little bit more, this and that. And, of course, when we started make, Los Guerreros making a lot more. So that just, I just had a steady paycheck in wrestling until I quit WWF. Right. When I quit, I see there was. I wanted to leave WWF probably for like maybe for a couple, year and a half before I wasn't happy with what they're doing with me. You know, they were having me wrestle. You know, Hornswoggle. You know, and the the cruiserweight stuff, the uh, ECW champion, all that stuff. All of a sudden, on you know La Familia, because we were on a roll there for a minute. And then like I got like like maybe like maybe if I would have waited it out, I probably would have come back up and started. You know, you know they use you, they not use you, but. Maybe about maybe it was about six months that I they weren't really using me like I wanted to be used. You know, I felt like I was better than that. So what was your yeah, so that's thought? that's what I was like. I want to leave. I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to leave. But there was no other really game in town. There was you know TNA, but it was just a lot smaller impact. You know, it was just a lot smaller. Dixie was running it. You know, it just was not a competitor. But I I didn't care. You know, I talked to my wife. She was like, you know, you quit when you need to quit. We'll figure it out. Just went on for maybe for about six months, and then finally one day I just had enough. They wanted me to lose to uh, Yoshitatsu, and I love Yoshi. Yoshi's great, everything. I just, but I didn't see it in there. I was like, well, why just lose to? Why just no program, no nothing. I'm like, I went to Johnny Ace. Like, why do you want me to lose to him? He's like, well, you know, we're trying to push the Japanese market. So, and I'm like, give me a fucking break. Come on, really? I was like, all right, man, I'm gonna do it, and I'll, I'll do business. And uh, Yoshi, I love Yoshi. He's great. I just didn't feel it at the time. And I said, okay, uh, but I, I, I'm asking for my release. And he said, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? Johnny Ace was still the head of public relations. He's like, man, we, I, I got to talk to Vince on this. I said, all right, talk to Vince. I stayed home the next week. He's like, Vince is thinking about it. Two weeks later, maybe three weeks later, I sent home, getting paid. They, uh, 
They go, okay, we're going to grant you your release, uh, but under certain conditions. You're not, you know, you still 90 days, no compete. You, you know, sometimes in a 90 day, no compete, you can do indies and all mm-hmm. that stuff. They didn't want me doing any of that stuff. I had to run everything through them. Why are you doing that? Are you realizing that you just invested te- 11 years in TV in somebody and you don't want me to go somewhere else? He was like, well, basically. And I'm like, well, that just seems weird, doesn't it? That you just invest, you just throwing away 11 years of television in somebody, you know? There's reasons for everything. So I kind of had to reinvent myself for a second because there really was no other wrestling. I could have gone, could have gone to Japan and doing that kind of stuff. And, and I did, but I, I had a pretty strong market value before that six eight months before and i was coming off an ecw championship uh big cruiserweight run stuff with los guerreros you know if i would have left two years before that i would have been able to call in my shots a lot more mm-hmm. that six months killed mm-hmm. me like it, it brought my stock down so much it's weird how just just start jobbing you out it was weird man I, I i came out thinking that i was gonna be able to do a lot more than i was able to do and i wasn't i really had a had to reinvent myself, you know, seeing guys like Zack Ryder and stuff come out. I was, thank God wrestling is at a high right now that he, man, he's killing it right now. Mm-hmm. Zack Ryder, uh, um, uh, Matthew Cardona mm-hmm. doing stuff, GCW, you know, impact NW. He's man. It's great to see him killing it. That wasn't available. Cause it really, I was kind of in the same boat as him. You know, he was this guy that was a talented guy. People were getting behind him, but they were just burying him. You know, he had that little bit of that run and then they just squashed him again, right? He was super smart. I'm like, admire him a lot because he came out and, uh, you know, and man, he started doing wrestling on his terms and now he's doing great. And yeah. it's awesome to see that. So hats off to La Familia. He's part of La Familia, right, part of it. <laughs> so, you know, Matt Cardona and, and uh, Brian Myers, I'm yeah. super excited to see them kicking ass. I'm yeah. so excited. Um, when you... Decided to part ways with, with WWE, you were like, I'll keep my foot in wrestling, but I mean, we're yeah. just kind of like, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just moving with life, and exactly. it is what it is. Exactly. Yeah, no expectations on anything. Exactly. I was, was, that, a, was I, that a hard mindset, or was that... Or it, you no, dude, I've been mindset? going for 20 well, <laughs> about 20 years. Yeah. Not 20 years. Maybe I was uh, I was going for, you know, maybe 17 straight years. I, was, I, was, I needed a break. Mm. I'd never taken a break unless I was injured. Mm. And I was injured, itching to come back. Mm-hmm. So I never took a break and really took time off in 17 years. I finally took, I just took a break. I sat and relaxed for a little bit. You know, it was cool. But, you know, you got to pay bills. Right. So Lucha Underground called. I started, I was like, man, I want to do some TV stuff. I didn't know where I was. So I got on, you know, Actors Access and did a couple like investigation IDs Did where you you're, really? yeah, Are those to where, around the internet yeah, somewhere? yeah, they're in there. So I was like, you know, a killer or something like that, you know, and it's just little tiny role things. I just want to see where I was at. Mm-hmm. Did a small independent film. I, 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 I know where I'm at. I, I got this. Then I got a call from NBC and Grimm, the show Grimm, and they had a TV show. I mean, an episode that was a wrestler in there. They wanted me to, they go, Hey, can you come in and, coordinate this coordinate the wrestling part and play a co a co-starring role and you're going to double yourself in wrestle See, absolutely it's what i do anyways spent a week in portland it went really great learned from really cool guys then from there glow called and i just i was in the right place at the right time and gene labelle was getting older and he didn't want to be the wrestling guy in in, in los angeles well, anymore he's been the wrestling guy for years yeah he's the wrestling guy That's he started so cool passing that, some stuff off to you've me taking over the reins now a little so bit. then all of a sudden before you know it i came became like the wrestling dude and kind of any wrestling project in los angeles 
kind of go through me in a Great. second. So it's kind of cool. It's it's. Great. I just found I cut I cut out my little niche and re, yeah. I reinvented myself, and that's kind of yeah. Busy. But it's still from wrestling. So everything I've done, whether it be my you know my beer, whether it be you know any way I'm really making money now, uh, comic books, uh, um, my beer, you know signings, producing, selling shows. I sold a different show with seven bucks. All these different things is all from wrestling. It's all different parts of wrestling. So what they say is to get really good at one thing, whatever it is, get really good, you know, and everything else will branch off from that. So I got really good at not just thinking I was, you know, not, not really good in the ring, I'm whatever, you are who you are, but really good at everything, the aspects about wrestling and learning why do we do this? Why, do, why is camera this way? Why are we directing this way? You know, how just everything with wrestling, all the different, setups with it and has some really 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 good teachers and then translate all that to hollywood and there we are and here we and here we are here we Not are there we are here, here we, we are. are much 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 more to come yeah. guys Jabba, i appreciate it so much man yeah man thanks dude hey coming on thanks for coming out man you killed it i'm not just saying that because this is your podcast <laughs> you killed it bro you were super great in that role you did a really really good job you became the brooklyn brawler you bro, did bro Bro, hey, bro, uh, you became Steve Lombardi. You actually did a really good job. You did him justice. He better thank you. Give you some royalties on that shit. We'll see. And, uh, but really, really good, man. And you, you killed it in the ring, and it was a pleasure having you here. And hopefully we have uh, season three, and you're on it. I'm hoping. Heck yeah, but bro. Even if not, what an experience. Chavo Guerrero is on Twitter at MexWarrior, Instagram at Chavo Guerrero Jr., Buy some amazing Guerrero merchandise over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Chavo Guerrero. Los Guerrero Mexican Lager is his beer. I googled where to get it, and it's like a real beer you can get in places. So search that out. And of course, watch The Young Rock Tuesdays on NBC and the following day on Hulu and Peacock. That is the episode for this week. We will be back next week. Cross our fingers. Hopefully nothing goes wrong. Brooklyn Brawler will be on the show. Now, of course, I podcasted with the Brooklyn Brawler years ago, and you can listen to that on Patreon or even on this feed. But this one will be specifically about the time that I was portraying him on the show. We'll talk all about that next week. But right now, we're going to get into some plugs and upcoming events. All right, my Patreon, patreon.com slash Colt Cabana is where you can listen to ad-free archives of almost 500 episodes of The Art of Wrestling, ad-free archives of Wrestling Anonymous, and new bonus Wrestling Anonymous episodes just for the Patreon twice a month. This month, myself and Sarah Shockey listened to some of the calls and gave our thoughts on them. For different tiers, I'll also send you a vinyl sticker every month. And when I handwrite out your envelopes, I give you a real fun nickname too. And don't worry, a new episode of Wrestling Anonymous is coming out soon for those of you who listen on the free podcast apps. Grab some merch over at coltmerch.com. Brand new Upper Deck signed cards are available. I have some new autograph pictures up, stickers, micro brawlers, the usual fun. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube are all at Colt Cabana. I'm also on Twitch all of the time playing games. Come join me in this very fun community, twitch.tv slash Colt Cabana. ColtWrestling at gmail.com is my very public email. That's where you can hit me up for shows, conventions, or business or non-business stuff, or send me something fun to my P.O. Box, which you can find at the bottom of my website over at ColtCabana.com. Upcoming 
This week, Friday and Saturday, Brooklyn, New York, and Rahway, New Jersey. WrestleProOnline.com. Kind of funny, I'm wrestling in Brooklyn already. Saturday, May 21st, Hazleton, Pennsylvania. PPWWrestling.com. June 3rd, Sarah Shockey and I will be back at the Annoyance Theater to do some improv. We just returned with the show May 1st. So much fun. Come visit us at theannoyance.com. And at the end of July, I'll be at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa, doing a live podcast, wrestling, and much more, nwhof.org. Podcast cover art and design is by Jimmy Lee and photo is by James Musselwhite. Thank you to our sponsors, OneHourTees.com. They help run ProWrestlingTees.com. That's where you can buy all of my shirts and cameo-style video messages called Shoots. That's right over there at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Colt Cabana. I appreciate you hanging out with me and Chavo Guerrero. I appreciate you supporting me on the old television. And I appreciate you still listening to this podcast. This has been The Art of Wrestling. For Colt Cabana, I'm Colt Cabana. Thanks.